Jane, the pharmacy remix on the brain, bitches.
we should not be ignorant of his devices. The devil will not come to you with a red face and horns. He will come to you disguised as everything you ever wanted. No one will ever fall victim to the devil if he always appeared to them with red eyes, horns, and a tail. This description is just a physical caricature of the devil. The devil does not appear to people in scary outlooks. He disguises to be your friend, and he always appears as one that has a solution to your problem. The devil reveals himself as one that has a help to offer. He doesn't look harmful to people until his mission to steal, to kill, and to destroy has been accomplished. John chapter 10 verse 10. The thief cometh not, but for to steal, and to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. The devil is a deceiver. And he has deceived this world and convinced people that what is evil is actually good, that what is dark is actually light. This world supports darkness rather than light. The devil will always disguise to be everything you ever wanted. And with the issue of temptation, the devil will not attempt to tempt you with something that you are not prone to be susceptible to. The Bible makes it clear that we are not all the same and that as individuals there's sense that easily entangles us. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders in the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance to the race marked out for us. The sin that so easily entangles you is what the devil will present to tempt you. If you struggle with lust, the devil will present you with all the opportunities for you to lust. If you struggle with sexual immorality, he will present you with opportunities to fulfill your lustful desires. If you struggle with lying, the devil will present situations for you that are covenant for you to lie. The devil is a tempter and deceiver. The Bible describes him as both these things. The devil can quite literally give the world to a person because he is the God of this world. He can give fame to people and promote them in life. He attempted to do that to Jesus. Matthew chapter 4 verse 8 through 9. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. It is good to be blessed. But if the devil is the source of any of these in your life, the end is regrettable. Satan is very smart. He is a deceiver, a murderer, a liar, and a thief. But... He is not a fool. If he offers you a cap, his mission is to chop off your head. The devil will never give people anything without taking something of greater value from their lives. I know you have heard the saying, give the devil an inch and he will take a mile. But it's more like give the devil an inch and he'll take the whole country. Just after Jesus finished his 40 days and 40 nights fasting, the Bible recorded he was hungry. 
Matthew chapter 4 verse 2 through 4. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. The devil sees such an opportunity to tempt him. You see, if you were not full of the Spirit, you may not... certain temptations until you fall into them. After spending 40 days and nights in God's presence, such a tempting suggestion to turn stones to bread would seem to be the voice of God, especially when you consider the fact that Jesus had the ability to do it. Imagine that, the demonic boldness of Satan to go after the Son of God after he had had just finished fasting 40 days. The devil will usually come through your current situation. He knew Jesus was hungry and felt that alluring him with food will be the best way to make him fall. The way the devil presented his matter to Christ seemed harmless. He said, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. It would be very easy to fall into this kind of satanic trap, having fasted for so long. Many of us would not think it is the devil's voice. We would assume it as an opportunity to prove we are anointed. Be careful about the suggestions you consider when you are in need. The devil could be alluring you. Again, the devil promised to give Jesus all of the kingdoms and the glory of this world if only he would bow to him in Matthew chapter 4 verse 8-9. Doesn't that seem to be a great testimony? Jesus was sent to save the world, and now the devil is promising to give him the world already. Brethren, be careful of shortcuts. It could be the devil's trick against you. The condition the devil gave Jesus was enough to prove that such promise was not from God. He wanted Jesus to bow to him, thereby alluring him into idolatry. But Jesus could disarm him, although he was disguised. If the devil could approach Jesus in such a cunning way, he would definitely do the same to us. Don't expect the devil coming to you with horns before you discern his deceptions. He will come through your current needs, but you can always discern him through the written word of God. The devil can quote the word of God to confuse you, but whatever he tells you, you will not align with the character of God. He quoted the scriptures to Jesus, but his deceptions were not hidden. Jesus knew exactly what every scripture meant and the right way to apply it. The Bible is a prophetic book. Anyone can interpret in a way it will suit his or her selfish interests. Colossians chapter 3 verse 16 admonishes that we should let the word of God to dwell in us richly and in all wisdom. We must not only know what the Bible says, we must receive the wisdom to apply it correctly. The devil may not tempt you to drink or go to ungodly parties as a believer. 
He knows you will hardly fall for such a bogus sin. He will seek to use the very things around you to tempt you into things that you may hardly take note of. Imagine how Satan made Anias and Sapphiria to keep back part of the money for the possession they sold. Acts chapter 5 verse 1-3 Acts chapter 5 verse 1-3 Now the man named Anias, together with his wife Sapphiria, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Onias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? He must have deceived them to think it was their own money. And there was nothing wrong keeping back part of it and telling the apostles they had brought all. Satan always comes in subtle ways to deceive people. Therefore, we must be on guard against him. Finally, 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8-9 through 9, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Whom resisteth steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world? This is the time to ask yourself, if the devil takes the form of an angel and approaches you now, can you discern him? If any tells you something and it seems so good, can you know if it's something you should do or reject? You need to stay awake all the time. It is not enough to pray alone. The Bible tells us to watch and pray so that we will not fall into temptation. Matthew 26, 41. Stay awake and stop sleeping in the spirit. Ephesians 6, 11, New King James Version. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. James 2, verse 19. Thou believest that there is one God. Thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. You might probably not be familiar with anything called the faith of demons. You might be reasoning whether demons could have faith or not. Or if demons have faith, what sort of faith is it? Well, the Bible affirms that demons have faith. It is not only Christians that have faith in God. Demons also have faith in God. We believe, and they believe also. However, the faith of demons differs from the saving faith that brought believers to salvation in Christ. Of course, we know that demons can never get saved. The faith of demons is a belief in the existence of God, but not the atoning power of Christ that works salvation. Demons cannot deny the reality of God's existence. Neither can they deny the sovereign power of God. They know much more about God, about the scripture, and salvation than several believers. But their faith is not based on knowledge, 
Demons believe in God. As immortal beings, they know that heaven is real. They know that hell is real. They are aware of the righteous judgment of God, and they know their eternal destination. However, their faith cannot produce salvation. We know that faith has to do with belief system and a strong conviction about something. Everyone believes in something, but not all beliefs have the potency to generate the power of salvation. There is a great gap between the faith of demons and the saving faith that brings people to salvation. Mere knowledge or awareness that God exists is not enough to save anyone from sin. Salvation is not only based on knowledge of facts. If it were, virtually everyone would be saved. The knowledge of God is very important, but much more important is repentance and trusting in Christ for deliverance from sin and its consequences. This is what several people fail to know. They think that salvation comes by merely believing in Christ and not having to produce the works that should complement the saving faith. This was exactly what James lamented about when he said that faith without work is dead. If demons have faith but are not saved, then we must be sure that what we profess is not the same as the faith of demons. Demons believe God, but they do not have remorse for sins. Neither have they repented for their evil acts. Therefore, we cannot exhibit this same kind of faith as believers and expect to be saved. The faith of demons is a mere awareness of fact that does not produce any kind of conviction that can birth the very life of Christ in anyone. There are people who believe there is God, but do not live the life that God asks us to live. They still live in sin and practice it at will without putting the commands of God into consideration. Those are sets of people that share the same faith with demons. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 7 verses 9 to 11, Now I rejoice, not that ye were made sorry, but that ye sorrowed to repentance. For ye were made sorry after a godly manner, that ye might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. For behold this selfsame thing, that ye sorrowed after a godly sort, what carefulness it wrought in you, yea, what clearing of yourselves, yea, what indignation, yea, what fear, yea, what vehement desire, yea, what zeal, 
Yea, what revenge. In all things ye have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter. You see, one of the factors that made some so-called believers to share the faith of demons is the issue of false gospels that give rise to false conviction and assurance about Christ. People hear gospel that says they should just believe that Jesus is Lord, and then they will have liberty to do whatever pleases them through the resurrection reality. They hear gospels like, if you believe in Jesus, all things will be well. You will become rich. These are good promises, but they are not the basis for our salvation. The people who accept this kind of gospel will only believe that there is God on the condition that the promises given to them will be fulfilled. They will never have the godly sorrow that produces the kind of repentance that leads to our new birth in Christ. Paul pointed to the fact that salvation is impossible without godly sorrows which leads to repentance. Switch to Liberty Mutual and save $652. Hello! <coughs> then he added that genuine repentance will stir up fear, desire, zeal, and carefulness that we need to walk with God and to guard our salvation. That you believe in God does not in any way make your faith different from that of demons. The works which your faith produces will judge where you truly belong. The faith of a believer exceeds the faith of demons. Therefore, this message calls for self-examination. What type of faith do you have? Has the gospel of Christ really transformed you from within? Do you just believe in Christ without producing the fruits of repentance? Do not allow the preachers of false gospels to deceive you. Christianity is never a call to a loose or careless living. Our faith in Christ does not in any way give us the liberty to be reckless. Knowledge about God is not genuine until it has produced a change in our hearts. If you truly know that God exists, you will both believe in Him and seek to do His will. 
If you truly believe in Jesus Christ, the transformation of your life will prove it. If your faith is truly rooted in Christ, the evil works of the flesh itemized in Galatians 5 verses 19 to 21 will no longer be found in you. Rather, the fruit of the Holy Spirit will spring forth from you and be evident to all. Beyond the faith of demons, you need the saving faith that produces genuine repentance from sin to embrace the salvation that Christ gives. Paranormal activities are the different things that occur that are beyond scientific explanation. It is something that involves what science cannot explain, something extraordinary, or something that is called supernatural. Paranormal beliefs include pseudoscience, ufology, and the other common ones which are spiritualism and ghost hunting. People are engaging in these paranormal activities in one way or another. These things are real and they cause huge damage to one's life if care is not taken. Some people have been taught how to cast spells or some people browsing the internet to check spells that work. There was a man who wanted to make money and he went to Google how to make money. One of the results that came to him was captivating. It was a spell that could make someone rich. He checked the result and he saw the spell and all the things he needed to do to cast the spell. When it was midnight, he lighted candles and cast the spell. Nothing happened for the first three days. On the fourth day, he started seeing images of like shadows following him. Since then, he has not been normal again. There are many things that we should never try out, all in the name of making research or trying to unlock another realm in life. Many Christians have done this. A demon-possessed woman who was taken to a pastor explained how she tried to summon a spirit and then go into another dimension, but she was possessed in the act. We have been given the power to bind anything on earth and free anything on earth. Why should we try to seek another power using some ungodly pronunciations? The Bible says in Matthew 18.18 KJV that, Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. We should never think of finding power elsewhere when Christ has given us power. We should never experiment with what Christ does not allow. The Bible stated it in Leviticus 19.31 that, Regard not them that have familiar spirits, neither seek after wizards to be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. God is against all these practices. Anything that has to do with wizardry, sorcery, or summoning demons, God is against it. He is God. He has given us everything, and therefore, why should we want to be practicing what he is forbidding? The day and era we live in has little or no spiritual training. Our society is completely humanistic and hedonistic, and the devil is capitalizing on this. I mean Satan is having a field day with people's ignorance. Let me give an example if you have children that have social media. So you must have come across these different internet challenges that spring up every month or so. Some of these challenges are dancing ones. There was one a few years back that was about planking. One of the popular challenges that people engage in today is summoning spirits. Summoning spirits is not different from divination and the sorcery that God talked against. It's shocking that people love to go beyond their power to do what can bring evil to them. Summoning spirits is not what will leave anyone just like they were. 
These people you see are using familiar spirits to work. They use these familiar spirits to command other spirits to appear. Some people patronize them to call on their beloved ones who have died. The truth is that some things cannot be explained scientifically in this world. Spiritual things are happening in this world. People are yet to understand that these things are happening under the influence of the demons or the angels of darkness. They are the ones responsible for many paranormal events. They are using these things to lure people into investigating them and going beyond where they should. It is a trap that we should never get ourselves into as Christians. If you have, for once, got yourself into any of these paranormal activities and it is affecting you, God will deliver you. These things are real. They are the reason many people are being tormented. There are innocent people out there who have been affected by paranormal activities. One of the popular kind of spirit summoning is the game called Charlie Charlie. This game was popular in the year 2015 and it came back in the year 2017 again. Two pencils will be placed on top of each other on a paper. The paper is segregated into four sections. One section says yes, another one says no, one says yes, another says no. And then you summon a spirit called Charlie by calling its name and then asking it a question and it gives you an answer by moving the pencil into the correct section. I watched on YouTube kids and adults playing this game and this game is real. The spirit truly answers. The spirit answers by moving the pencil into the correct section. I watched some of the videos on YouTube and these people played this game innocently. Children all the way up to adults. When they played this game and some supernatural things began to happen, these people ran out of the room screaming. There is no wind or fan in that room, but the pencil would move. I mean, I watched at least 20 of these videos, and not one of them did not scream and cry out when those pencils started moving. When the children and adults see these pencils moving, they know that they didn't do it. 20 of these videos, and not one of them did not scream and cry out when those pencils started moving. When the children and adults see these pencils moving, they know that they didn't do it but something not of this world did. There are some videos where furniture begins to stand up or furniture drops on the floor. There is a real presence that comes into the room. They run and scream. This is not an innocent game. This is not chess or checkers. Let me tell you the spirit world is waiting for an opportunity to enter into people's life and this is a sure way for them to do so. They will literally pour into people's lives. Do you know what shocked me about the age of these kids? The devil is a bad devil. He has no morals whatsoever. You need to educate your family about the spirit world. The spirit world is indiscriminate of age. Demons are real, and you know it. Some people accounted that after they played the game in the night, they were seeing shadows, hearing footsteps. These things are real and cannot be explained scientifically. These things are spiritual. They are things that bring demons to torment people. The game is what you must never allow your children to partake in. Demonic possessions are real. Let me tell you the truth. Once a demon gets access into a house, it won't easily leave. It will do everything it can to stay. Demons are not stupid. I would even go so far as to say that they are more intelligent than us humans. Demons have been around longer than we have watching humanity. Using trial and error and what works and what does not work. Just think how long a demon has been on Earth and how long you've been on Earth. Demons are intelligent spirit beings. They may go away from the house and make you think your house is safe, but it will come back and check to see if there is an opening into your house. And if there is, 
It will get seven spirits more wicked than it to come along. You should not invite them into your life. Neither should you try to fight them in your own might. We are glad that we have a greater power in Christ that can free us from every oppression of the devil. But that doesn't mean we should get ourselves into what will haunt us for a long time. The fact about demons is that they possess people and they will torture people. Many of these things started from these paranormal activities the people engaged in. You are a Christian. You have been called into the light of God. The power of God is a shield that covers you all the time. If any demon tries to get to you, the power of God will consume them, but you must never get into their traps. They lay traps for people. These traps are the paranormal activities. Let us focus on the real thing Christ has taught us to do. In all these things, what should Christians do since we have been given the power over all these demons? Jesus said in Mark 16, 15 through 18 KJV that, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth shall not be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly... Red Table Talk is... Real Talk. Real. Tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. The first thing is that we must preach the gospel, and that should always come first. We must get the gospel to everyone. It is a command from Jesus, and it is what we must do at all cost. Also, we have been given the power to deliver people. While preaching the gospel, there will be people who will need deliverance. People who are being haunted by ghosts or demons. That is where we can come in. We need to attack these demons and ghosts and cast them out. You, as a Christian, must not go to the cemetery and haunt ghosts. It is an absurd thing to do. You must not light candles and summon spirits. We are not called to do that. We are not sorcerers. We are children of the highest. If we look around, it might not be obvious. Some people are being attacked by demons. They appear to be fine. They appear to be doing good, but what they battle at night is great. God has given us the power to help these people. God has given us the power to set the captives free. God has given us the power to trample under feet serpent and scorpion, and they cannot harm us. These spirits tormenting people are serpents and scorpions that we must trample under our feet. They are the ones we must confront. This is why you must be filled with power. You cannot afford to be a Christian in this age and lack the power of God in you. You must go to God in place of prayer and ask for power. Don't settle for superficial Christianity. Don't settle for powerlessness. These demons must know that we are not sorcerers. They must know that we carry the power that is more than theirs. They must know that they cannot trap us. 1 John 4.4 KJV Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Satan does this, and people are doing this also. Some people believe that it is impossible for God to hate, but the truth is God indeed does hate, and the Bible makes this expressly clear. Proverbs 6, 16-19 These six things doth the Lord hate, 
yea, seven are an abomination unto him, a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, and heart that deviseth wicked imaginings, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren. Verse 19 is what I want us to pay particular close attention to. A false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth mankind and God. Genesis 3.8 states, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. This verse is after Adam and Eve had sinned. Although there is no definitive proof that God was in the habit of visiting with Adam and Eve in the garden, that we carry the power that is more than theirs. They must know that they cannot trap us. 1 John 4.4 4, KJV Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Satan does this, and people are doing this also. Some people believe that it is impossible for God to hate. But the truth is, God indeed does hate, and the Bible makes this expressly clear. Proverbs 6, 16-19 These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, and heart that deviseth wicked imaginings, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren. Verse 19 is what I want us to pay particular close attention to. A false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren. Other versions of verse 19 states, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. This is clearly stated in the Bible as something that God hates. Stirring up conflict is something the devil does. The first person to stir conflict in the Bible is Satan. He deceived Adam and Eve so that they would fall into rebellion against God. Satan went after the relationship of mankind and God. Genesis 3.8 states, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. This verse is after Adam and Eve had sinned. Although there is no definitive proof that God was in the habit of visiting with Adam and Eve in the garden, Bible scholars argue that Genesis 3.8 implication are apparent. They argue it would be odd for God to first come walking in the garden with Adam and Eve only after they had sinned. God walking with people normally suggests closeness and intimacy and fellowship. The natural connotation to me is that God often did this, perhaps daily in the cool of the day. One thing that there is proof of is that our God is a God of relationship. And do you know who else he wants to have a relationship with? It is you. And we see that one day God will have a relationship with us that is not limited by this world. Revelation 21, 1-4 And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them, and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall be there any more pain, for the former things are passed away.
Satan attacks marriages and relationships. He will never stop attacking marriages. And I want to tell you that there are people who do the same thing. They are nothing but messengers of the devil. Satan sought to destroy the relationship between God and Adam and Eve. That right there is evil. And there are people in our day who seek to destroy relationships. That is plain evil. There are people actively engaging themselves in destroying relationships, turning husbands and wives against each other, turning children against their parents, turning friends against each other. That is evil. Even turning brothers and sisters in Christ against each other is wrong. This denomination against that denomination. There is so much division in the body of Christ. There is so much division. Baptists versus Episcopalians versus Evangelists versus Methodists versus Presbyterians versus Pentecostals versus Chromaticists versus Lutherans versus Anglicans. You are not saved because of your denomination. You are saved through faith in Jesus Christ. You are saved because you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. No one is going to heaven because they are a Roman Catholic or Baptists or Methodists or any other denomination. You and I go to heaven because we trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior, the Jesus Christ of this Bible. So let us love one another. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ of this Bible, you are my brother and sister in Christ. Yes, indeed, there are some doctrines in theology which are nothing but doctrines of devils. But I've seen in my years so much division in the body of Christ over denominations, over matters that are relatively unimportant when it comes to salvation. We are to love one another. Do you know Jesus cares about his body being one a lot more than people understand or even know? Six times in John chapter 17, Jesus mentions the unity of God. Six times in John 17, Jesus states that the children of God should be one. John 17, and now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee, Holy Father. Keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one, as we are. John 17, 21. That they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. John 17, 22. And the glory which thou gavest me I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. John 17, 23, I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Let us love one another and let us as the body of Christ be one. Satan is in the business of breaking up relationships and sowing discord. We are the body of Christ and we should not be in the business of attempting to sow discord and breaking up relationships. I could even go as far as saying that it is a satanic act, because this is what Satan tried to do in the garden. This is something we must never do, trying to destroy the marriage of someone or the relationship of people. I'm not talking about the ungodly relationships people are having in the world now. 
I am not talking about the relationships people use as an excuse to fornicate. I'm talking about marriages. I'm talking about relationships that are holy in the eyes of God. For instance, a parent-child relationship, friendships, and so on. Turning church members against each other by gossiping. There are people who find pleasure in turning one person against the other. If you are one of these people, you need to change your ways because you are walking down a very dangerous path. Some people are trying to destroy the relationships of others. Do you think everyone is happy you have a working relationship? Do you think everyone is happy with your marriage being successful? Do you think people are happy that you love your wife or your husband? Many people are looking at your marriage and planning against it or praying that the marriage fails. You need to wake up and stop thinking people love your marriage growing. If you are looking forward to the downfall of a marriage, if you are trying to destroy people's marriages, if you are allowing yourself to be used by the devil to scatter a marriage, know that it is not a godly thing to do. You see, men who go after married women, that is evil. If a woman is married, leave her alone. Leave her alone. You see women who go after married men, that is evil. If a man is married, leave him alone. You see people actively go out of their way to be a lover on the side for a man hoping that one day that man will leave his family for them. Is that really the foundation anyone should want for their marriage? How can you plan and execute breaking up a marriage and next year you walk down the aisle and then ask God to bless you and the man you stole from another woman? The truth is, if he left his wife for you, there's a good chance he will do it to you also. Nothing good can come from a married person. Not only marriages, but in churches, there are those who enjoy sowing discord. They like drama. They enjoy turning one child of God against another. God hates this act of sowing discord. Proverbs 6, 16-19 These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, and heart that deviseth wicked imaginings, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren. The person who sows discord uses gossip, lies, unfounded accusations, negative criticism, and backbiting to accomplish their goals. Don't sow discord. Mind your own business. Did you know minding your own business is an art? Let's say you hear some gossip which you don't know is true and it is just a rumor. You don't have to call Sister Watermelon to tell her what Brother Sandals and Sister Flip-Flop were doing. If you don't know it's true, don't spread rumors. Don't go around spreading lies in the church. Don't be in the middle of other people's business. Meddling in other church members' business. Don't be a busybody. What is a busybody? A busybody is a person who meddles in the affairs of others. These type of people are not only in this generation. They were there 2,000 years ago. 1 Timothy 5.13 and with all they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers also, and busybodies, speaking things which they ought not. My friend, we need Jesus more than we know, more than we can ever imagine. In Christ, you are complete. Not in a person, but in Christ. Low self-esteem, hopelessness, depression, and frustration are the tools of Satan. He uses them to make one make the wrong choice. That is when people start getting into trouble and their problems start becoming complex for them. One way to deal with these is to sit ourselves down and think about what God has planned for us, what God has said about us. Matthew 6.26 Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet our Heavenly Father feeds them. 
Are you not much more valuable than they? The reason Satan uses depression, hopelessness, and other things on people is to get them to feel like they don't belong, and then they will try and fit in. When they start to try and fit in, they get frustrated again, and depression comes. What I'm saying is that there is never a good thing about trying to fit in. There are ways by which one can find his or her worth in Christ, but the most important way is through the Word of God. The Bible is not just a storybook. It is a book that contains power. It is a book written for us to examine and use to check our lives if we are going the right way. It is a book that is capable of making an extraordinary change in your life. The Bible is life. It is sharper than a two-edged sword. It is active. One of the reasons why the Bible was written is to give instructions on how we Christians can live. 2 Timothy 3.16 All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. If this Bible gives instructions, then it has everything we need to know how to find our worth. It also helps to deal with depression, hopelessness, because Jesus is our hope. We can't continue to live as ones who don't have direction or goal. It is time we start walking according to the plans of God. It is time we stay focused on Jesus and let people know how valuable we are. When this is in place, it will be hard for you to be frustrated or get depressed. When you stand on the promise of God, which says he has a perfect plan for you, you will not be frustrated. How demons can cause negative thinking. Allow me to read Scripture and through prayer. 
and to be confident that however much we may be subjected to temptation, God will give us a way out. God will deliver us. And certainly, God will preserve us so that the evil one will never be able to take us out of Christ's hand. So that's the great confidence and assurance we should have in this situation. Overthinking is a real thing. It is something that a lot of people struggle with on a daily basis. Their whole life is dictated by overthinking. What situation the day presents to them, their mind instantly begins to run 367 different scenarios of the worst possible outcome. Overthinking is real. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 through 7. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your heart and minds through Christ Jesus. Worries and anxieties result into overthinking. Overthinking sets in because of challenges and situations which seem to be beyond an individual's natural ability. It could also result from fear of the unknown. Fear of the known is a real fear. A fear that will creep into your life if you let it. But a simple way to deal with the fear of the unknown is to remind yourself two things. Number one, you are not God. You will never know what the future holds. The future will always be unknown whilst you are still on earth. Number two, remember the one who holds the future loves you with an everlasting love. The one who is in control of the future is actively interested in you and watching over you. The one who is in control of the future is actively interested in your well-being. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad we serve a God who loves us? A God who cares for us in a way we could never understand or even put into words. There is nowhere in the Bible where we are encouraged to worry and to be filled with anxiety. Jesus personally warned us about taking thoughts on what we will eat, wear, and live on. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 says, We should be anxious for nothing. No matter how scary any matter may present itself to us, we are not permitted to be anxious. This is because anxiety does not solve problems. Overthinking has never solved any problem. Neither will it solve any now or in the future. It puts under unnecessary pressure and gives the devil the opportunity to give us ungodly ideas to work with. If you will overcome overthinking, you must first realize that overthinking has no positive consequence. Instead of solving your problems, overthinking makes it more critical. Overthinking has negative effects on your health. It's okay to be thoughtful. It's good to make plans for our lives, but it is very bad to be worried and full of anxiety. The Bible says we should be anxious for nothing, but that in everything we should make our requests known to God through supplications, prayers, and thanksgiving. 
If you are overthinking and worried about how the rest of this year will pan out, just pray and ask God to guide you throughout this year. You shouldn't overthink or be anxious because you have a God that cares for you. What bothers you is not a challenge for God. It's okay for you not to have all the answers. It's okay for you not to be able to solve every problem. Call out to God. Pour out to Him everything that is stressing you. If you focus on your challenges, the devil will magnify them. Don't wear yourself out overthinking on any matter. Rather, present it before God in prayer. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6-7 Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. God cares about you, and He's willing to help you carry your burden. When you engage in overthinking, it means you want to carry your burdens alone. But when you cast your cares on God, it means that you trust in Him. It is when you present your request to God that the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will fill your heart. Overthinking will rob you of your joy and peace. It births depression and heartaches. You must deal with anxiety in your life. The devil uses the times of our worries to access our lives to deceive us and make us think God has forgotten us. I genuinely believe that evil spirits aim to plant thoughts in the mind of people when they are going through difficult situations. Although life's challenges are inevitable, we should not bother ourselves with matters that are beyond us. We can simply report them to God and wait for His deliverance. When the Israelites got to the Red Sea, they were filled with fear because the Egyptians were running hard after them. God didn't respond to their weeping and murmurings. He only responded to the prayer of Moses. God will not respond to your worries. He won't respond to overthinking, but He will respond when you pray. God wants you to call to Him in prayers. He wants you to make your request known to Him. Convert the time you spend on overthinking to prayer time and see how swiftly your life will change. Matthew chapter 6 verse 30 through 32. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, Shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. Unbelievers are anxious about tomorrow, what they will eat, what they will drink, and what they will wear. We will not be any way different from them if we think the same way they do. Jesus
just added that our Heavenly Father knows the things we need before we ever make the request for them. Therefore, we must learn to trust God in all things. If God could clothe the flowers in the field which blossom in the morning and wither off in the afternoon, how much more He will intervene in the affairs of those that are created in His image and likeness. Trust Him. Trust God. If you fail to present your matters before God, it means that you have esteemed your challenges greater than Him. David's hope was in the Lord all the time while Saul was seeking his life. He knew it was only God that could save him, and he cried out to him every time. Overthinking will not help you out, but God will. Overthinking will not solve your problem, but God will. In 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9 through 10, Shabazz prayed to the Lord, and God delivered him from his sorrows and afflictions. Jabaz would have died in misery if overthinking was the option he settled for. Don't settle for worries and anxiety. Overcome it by turning all your challenges over to God. Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think of these things. The Bible already tells us what to think about. There's so many kingdom contents we should fill our hearts with. Allowing the cares and worries of life to fill our hearts will displace the Holy Spirit in us. You cannot fill your heart with worries and expect it to be filled with the Holy Spirit at the same time. Fill your heart with the Holy Spirit and your worries and anxieties will all be gone.